This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and Pat Lee, political editor of the Irish Times. Pat, you're in Dublin. There were riots there on Thursday evening last night. Your offices, I think, where you are now, are quite near where those riots were. Can you tell listeners what happened yesterday? Yeah, Max. So what happened yesterday was uh, there was an incident in Parnell Square. And for your listeners that have any familiarity with the centre of Dublin, that's just up at the top end of O'Connell Street, which is the city's kind of main thoroughfare, really, maybe the equivalent of Oxford Street or something like that. And details are still quite scant because obviously a guard investigation going on at the moment. But a man attacked some kids coming out of a school just after lunchtime. Kids were small kids, age four, five, six, that sort of age, and their carer who was bringing them, I think, from school to an after school centre. The man attacked them. He stabbed one of the kids quite seriously. That kid is still in hospital with very serious injuries. Also, the carer tried to intervene. She was seriously hurt. She's also still in hospital. A couple of other kids suffered more minor injuries. I understand one of them has since been discharged from hospital. The attacker was uh, apprehended by passers-by who intervened, disarmed him, and the guards were on the scene pretty quickly afterwards. The scene was sort of sealed off. But pretty soon afterwards, word began to circulate on some kind of far-right discussion groups, telegram groups and so forth that alleged that a foreign-born national had been responsible for the stabbing of the kids. And crowds began to gather and they began to gather at the, the crime scene and the atmosphere sort of deteriorated there over the course of a couple of hours. There was a lot of abuse thrown at the police there and more and more people kind of came along. And as darkness closed in, then things took a turn for the worse. They began to disrupt the crowds, began, which had grown at this stage. Lots of young men came in, you know, wearing, uh, came in on bikes, wearing hoodies, some of them in balaclavas atmosphere began to turn really nasty at around tea time and traffic was disrupted and eventually the situation deteriorated into attacks on the guards and uh, I got really deteriorated then as the course of the evening wore on there was buses hijacked and set alight there was a, a Lewis tram was set alight, guards were attacked, a number of Garda cars were burned out, there was uh, looting of some city centre stores along O'Connell Street and the adjacent Henry Street and really it wasn't until midnight or so that uh, the police, the Gardaí, uh, regained control of the situation and really, you know, uh, the sort of thing is unheard of in Dublin, almost nobody can ever remember anything like it happening in the past. And the atmosphere around here still is one of complete shock that uh, at the, the suddenness of all this taking off and the seriousness of it. And uh, the cleanup is still going on 
on uh, on O'Connell Street. Very heavy Garda presence, police presence uh, in town uh, at the moment. And Katie, Garda Commissioner Drew Harris said there is no failure here. And Sinn Féin President Mary Lou Macdonald has said that her party, she has no confidence in the Garda Commissioner. Does it look like the police got something wrong? What's been the political backlash to their response as well? Yes, I think there's been two two parts of it. And of course, Pat will know more. Um, but I think initially, of course, the blame game in terms of did the police uh, get this wrong? Obviously, the defence they are putting across is the, that they could not have logically drawn from the incident outside the school that this would then uh, lead to a riot. And therefore, you know, some of these things happen, which are unexpected. This is unexpected. They dealt with it when they, when they could. But you can imagine that's going to be tested in the coming days. And then I think the other political aspect so far in terms of the reaction is what are the motives of those doing it and how are politicians responding to what's clearly a lot of anger you have Leah Varadkar effectively saying you know that both attacks so first the school attack and secondly the riot have brought shame to our society and disgrace to those involved and incredible pain to those who are caught up in the violence and adding that the rioters motivation has nothing to do with Irish patriotism um, so trying to suggest I think this is you know the, the implications of this hard right nationalist and so you know their first reaction to a five year old being stabbed was to burn our city attack its businesses and so our Gardell so so there is a con- there's criticism of the police but ultimately condemnation of the riot and the causes of it as unjustified. Pat, how organised um, does it look like these riots were? It looks like there's now going to be a review into intelligence gathering inside the police. Was there a way that they could have foreseen what was going to happen? I mean, I think it, you know, the fallout is kind of moving, you know, into the, the policing and the political realm today. There's a lot of criticism uh, of the fact that the guard, the guardie, the police seem to be caught completely unprepared for this. I think the initial protests and the initial uh, at, down at the crime scene, Parnell Square, where the kids were stabbed, that was organised all right. It seems to have been organised uh, across uh, far right. Ireland has a you know a, a small, very small but growing far right presence, and they've been asserting themselves in recent months. There was a protest at. Leinster House, where where the Parliament is situated, when the doll returned from its summer recess, that caught guards and the parliamentary authorities off guard and led to led to you know a lot of TDs um, being being stuck in Leinster House for several hours. But so they, you know, there have been signals in recent months that the that far right agitators are you know gearing up and trying to make their presence felt they did organize the the early protests at the crime scene but what seems to have happened then is that they took their opportunity uh to spread that into wider disorder and that wider disorder seems to have been completely uncoordinated it was gangs of mostly young men coming in because they heard something was kicking off in the city center and especially when pictures and of course all of this was projected in real time on social media so people could see what was happening and clearly there is a you know there's a type of young person that finds you know that sort of entertainment very uh, very alluring and they made their way into the city quickly and uh, and joined in and there is a lot of criticism of the guards for you know, for their lack of preparedness and their inability to respond 
in numbers because it really had been going on for some hours before you saw the sort of big numbers of Gardy and Gardy in riot gear that were able to uh, to control the crowds. And they had some difficulty in bringing the crowds under control. And Katie, turning to Israel now, the first exchange between Israel and Hamas, Israeli hostages for Palestinian prisoners, is taking place today. It looks like the Israeli hostages are now in Egypt and some sort of swap will be taking place near the Rafah crossing later today. David Cameron has been out in Israel this week. Can you tell us a bit about the British efforts here, what the British government's been doing, and also whether this first hostage um, prisoner exchange is going to be something that we'll see a little more of um, over the coming week? Yeah, as you say, you've had the the first signs, uh, the reports at least, that the, some of the Israeli hostages are now in Egypt. You also have the fact that Israel, because this is a swap, is used to release 39 Palestinian detainees today. Um, so that would be a Palestinian... So that would be Palestinian prisoners. And this is part of the five-day pause. And I think the qu- the question is, of course, there's questions about does this go as expected? Is there anything that could throw things off? I mean, it isn't. But also, I think you're already hearing from figures in the Tories and Labour. Does a five-day pause become a six-day pause? Does it become a 10-day pause? Is this a, a new chapter where, yes, Israel says the war is not over in terms of the fact that they still have further actions they want to take in Gaza? But will the international pressure, which publicly I think is still fairly supportive of Israel, but I think privately um, you are seeing that pressure in terms of questions about whether you can make the pause more permanent, not a ceasefire per se. We've heard why both Keir Starmer and also um, Rishi Sunak do not think that is a likely option. But I think if you could agree something between the two sides, that's something that would get international support. And when it comes to David Cameron's trip, I think he, obviously, the new foreign actually has, uh, you know, went to Ukraine last week, Israel this week, I think trying to get as many trips in early on to establish those relationships. But he has used his trip to be, I wouldn't say critical per se, but he did he did uh, urge Israel to allow more aid into Gaza, to show the Palestinian, to, to allow more aid into Gaza, to show the Palestinian people and the world that the West wants to help. So you are seeing uh, those relationships try and get Israel to move. Um, I think initially it's on Aid. I think there were also questions about about whether it is really sustainable for Israel to return to the actions they were taking just you know twenty four hours ago, and mm-hmm. um, once this pause is gone, but a lot of that rests on it going right. And I think on the Israeli side, there is a sense of injustice. They feel that they are having a smaller number of Israel hostages in return, uh, you know, that they were getting back in return for giving a higher number of Palestinian detainees. It has been negotiated. But it is not something where I think all sides feel it is fair. Mm. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Pat. And thank you very much for listening.